Hello, I'm Bill Lawrence, and welcome to another edition of my Big Bag of Onions. Each show is a carefully curated selection of undeservedly unfamiliar songs and a dozen brand new short stories written exclusively for Colm Radio and especially for this show by you, our listeners. So it's time for you to sit back because this is Bill's Big Bag of Onions. Things Bright and Beautiful by Bill Lawrence monochromium and it was the most remarkable substance ever created it cleaned everything lifting stains in an instant releasing gum from pavements and washing away paint with ease it dissolved acids in rivers purged smog from the air and removed toxins from the soil the inventor of monochromium became the richest person in the world but then disaster Every drop of rainfall across the entire planet washed away the colour from where it fell. The animals grew pale, fields and mountains became transparent, and mankind turned monochrome. There was no antidote, no remedy. Bugger. 
set the world. Cousins by Adrian Cohen. Wedding receptions in Java are very samey. A large room, no walls. High pagoda roof on columns, catering presented by speciality food stalls, chairs around the edge, a keyboardist and singer rendering dangdut songs. You arrive, you walk along a red carpet under arches of flowers to the stage, where the newlyweds stand in front of ornate furniture flanked by their parents. You queue, then shake everyone's hand before grabbing food and sitting. I'd almost finished my plateful when an organizer approached. Excuse me, mister, who are you exactly? Apparently, the wedding I wanted was 200 meters further down the road.
onion in this show tastes of our community stay tuned for our full recipe of onion chat and music mixed and cooked to perfection do not repeat do not leave your onions unattended full terms and conditions apply Picking by Gladys Hornet. Sandwiches, drinks, boots, we make for the meeting place. The van arrives and in we pile, greeting the other mothers and children. At the farm, we are given apple carriers before heading to the orchards with rows of trees and ladders. Voices echo across the field. Mums fill their carriers to tip in the containers. One eye on their children, happily playing. The day wears on. Carriers feel heavy. Legs, backs ache. Until at last, the whistle signals the end of the day exhausted. But that taste of a freshly picked apple on an autumn morning will never leave me.
First Time I Flew by Tim Aston. The three of us were doing some renovations to a bungalow. Sam, the plumber, me, the plumber's mate, and Jack, a jack-of-all-trades. He could plumb, lay bricks, plaster, pretty much anything. Sam was finishing off installing the boiler, so I'd been sent to help Jack fit new lead flashing around the chimney stack, where it projected through the roof. It had rained the night before, so the tiles were slightly damp. I'm on one side of the chimney, tapping lead sheeting into place, when, whoosh, I'm flying off the roof. Luckily, it was a grass lawn below.
we're serving extra tasty onions today with additional onion vitamins and minerals exclusively brought to you by our writers from our own community. Enjoy the full onion experience exclusively on 106.6 FM Colm Radio. Hindsight by Tony Piers. For a while, during my teenage years, the National Portrait Gallery was my sanctuary. I became an expert on Holbein and Gainsborough, and Charles I was my confidant. I feasted on an assortment of exotic tourists' lunches, and the room guards were always friendly, so I was never lonely. A Miss Marple type was my undoing. She drew conclusions and reported me for snoozing in the Tudor Gallery. No one else had minded me living there. If only I had chosen a different section. She would never have visited modern art. And besides, I could have been mistaken for an exhibit. Enough Time by Jenny Miller Carol and Julian had been going out for three weeks. Walking in the park, they stopped in the children's play area to discuss when they could meet again. But their engagements and work schedules clashed, so they couldn't agree on a time in the near future. 
Oh well, said Julian, let's make love bird-style. Without waiting for a reply, he slid down against the wall into a crouching position. Inhaling deeply, he blew hard on her abdomen. Carol was amazed at how lovely it felt. She was even more surprised when she realized she was going to lay some eggs. By the snow, well I'm drunk and dirty, but don't you know that I'm still I ride the highways late at night, I see pretty Alice in every headlight, oh Alice And I've been from Tucson to Tucum Carey at your feet a time apart I've driven every kind of rig That's ever been made I even rode the back road So it wouldn't get weighed And if you give me weed White sand wine And you show me a sign And I'll be willing By the wind, driven by the street, I've had my head stored, but I'm still on my feet and I'm still. I smuggle some smokes down from Mexico, I'm getting paid by the sun every time I go to Mexico. And I've been from Tucson to Tucum Carey. I should be the time apart I've driven every kind of rig That's ever been made I even rode the back road So it wouldn't get weighed And if you give me weed White sand wine And you show me a sign And I'll be willing I've been moving I've been willing I've been moving Meeting on a Bus in Iran by Rob Lewis Reza on a bus. Would I speak to his year six students about my travels? Not knowing Isfahan at all, I showed the piece of paper he'd written the address on to various shopkeepers and showed up on time. English teacher? Mr. Reza? They nodded at the school gate. The students were respectful, fascinated by this globetrotter. Afterwards, we ate together roast lamb for the teachers, vegetables for me. They were grateful. No, the pleasure was mine. What luck we should have met on that bus. What bus? said Reza. Wrong school, wrong Reza. I didn't let on.
106.6 FM Colne Radio, we only serve the finest onions. Each one has been lovingly and organically hand-reared, using only our finest onion juice and our generations of deep onion knowledge to produce these award-winning soundscapes of original stories and perfectly chosen music. Across by Sally Wazy. Arnold could usually finish the cryptic crossword before he reached his station, but this morning he was stumped. Two words, four and six, alcohol for nothing. As the train pulled in, he could see his office block from the seat, as always, but this morning he stayed seated while others alighted from the train. The answer was on the tip of his mind, and for some reason it seemed important. An hour later he was sitting on a bench, overlooking the sea, and drinking takeaway coffee, when the answer came to him. Of course, it was obvious. Free spirit.
The Warning by Ian Hornet. A warning. In no uncertain terms. Half an hour, then that's it. Nothing. A mad rush follows. Keyboard is frantically tapped. Attempts to put things right. Make contact. Pass on the warnings. Let others know that, well, just let them know. A chance to say hello, maybe. Certainly no time for goodbyes. Hope fades. The clock ticks down. Too soon. It's too late. It goes quiet. Not a word. Sitting, waiting now, unsure what to do. There's nothing to do. The warning was right. Two hours. Bloody internet's down. Three Zoom meetings ruined. Takeaway order lost. And I missed most of the cricket. This day on, I own my father's gun. We dug a shallow grave beneath the sun. We laid his broken body down below the southern land. Never do to bury him. Where in a Yankee stands I take my horse I ride the northern plain And where the color of the free angel In the fight again I'll not rest till I know The cause is fucking won from this day on until I die, I wear my father's gun. I like to know where the river won't sail tonight. Yeah, yeah. To New Orleans, and that's just fine, alright. I hear their fighting This is over We'll all go home And plant the seeds of justice In our bones And let the children grow in and play And all the women standing tall Laughing when the bells of freedom ring and they're gonna ring yeah. I like to know where the river boat sails tonight To New Orleans And that's just fine I hear they're fighting there And the company needs men Oh, oh, oh
Big Love and Small Love by Phil Boast Beyond the grand passion, the soul-melting, spirit-wrenching, life-changing thing which is true, pure and unadulterated love, which turns every moment of day into a special moment, there lies a lesser, more gentle love. The love which sees the washing done and the groceries bought, such things which are necessary for the sustaining of ordinary life. They are not much thought about or spoken of beyond their practical application. But they are that which binds together the higher things and makes them possible. And love is love after all, whatever that love may be doing. You've been sniffing onions planted and grown in Corn Radio's sunlit vegetable patch by the likes of Bill Lawrence, Adrian Cohen, Gladys Hornet, Tim Aston, Tony Piers, Jenny Miller, Rob Lewis, Sally Wazy, Ian Hornet and Phil Boast. And so that's all we have time for for this edition of the show. If you would like to contribute an onion, just get in touch, either with Cone Radio or via the Bill's Big Bag of Onions Facebook page. And remember, the stories must be exactly 100 words long. So join us again soon, on a Tuesday or a Sunday evening, for the next edition of Bill's Big Bag of Onions. Be seeing you. Productions present From Colchester to Sulawesi, written for Colm Radio by Phil Boast and Paula Larcher. Episode 14 The Naming of Sebastian. So, I'm back in Bohowo and glad to be here with Tim and Julie, our friends of the free spirit. I could do with some of that rubbing off at the moment. And if I have to be here without she who gives meaning to my life, then there's no one else I'd rather be here with. During their last visit, they had begun to forge their own relations with the village people, and I'm glad of that also. Ostensibly, as always, I'm here to work, to organise, to be the provider of money, make final decisions and so on, as well as to be the white face of Bohoro Lodge so that people will get used to having us around. Tim and Julia are here to have a holiday, and I'm relieved sometimes to dive into that particular slipstream and follow them underwater. This time we also dive Lembe Strait, which is a quite narrow expanse of water between the mainland and a just offshore island 
better than an hour's drive or boat trip from Bohovo. Going by boat is the best as you follow the beautiful, rugged and mostly deserted coastline around the very northernmost tip of Peninsula Sulawesi before turning south and entering the strait. But it's hard on the boats and heavy on fuel consumption, so mostly we drive there. On the face of it, this is an unprepossessing place to dive. It's a shipping lane to and from the busy port of Bitung. Black sand and very little coral compared to Bunaken. It's also a rubbish tip for the passing freighters, and the seabed is littered with plastic containers, glass bottles and so on. But to dive here is to enter a sub-aquatic world like no other. This is critter diving. And inside every plastic container and glass bottle, there live colonies or individual fish or other marine life, the likes of which I have never seen before. Most of it no bigger than your thumbnail. But hours can be, and are, spent here, shallow diving to 20 meters or so, with your mask glued to the seabed, and in a state of preparedness to encounter anything that's weird, because most of it is. When the air runs out, we do our safety stop to degas from the nitrogen and rise reluctantly to the surface, having experienced something quite extraordinary and unique. And there's only one dive centre in the entire strait, so we always have the water to ourselves. A welcome diversion indeed, from my responsibilities at the lodge, which I undertake with a glad heart, but which are responsibilities nonetheless. It's odd being at the cottage on my own, and especially now without Buru, who we both miss so very much. While Phil's away, I've decamped to Carol's house rather than stay on my own in the cottage. It is an easier commute from there, near to Gatwick for when I have to fly north, and it is great to spend time with the kids. Carol has given me, Mummy and Janet, a duplicate set of photos which she took on our trip. It is lovely to be reminded of the great time we all had, but it doesn't help with the fact that really I want to be back there again. I went to Mummy's for Sunday lunch and inevitably the conversation was dominated by Bohowo. Our recent trip clearly left a deep impression on her and it was good to relive the experience together. We laugh about the goats which run loose everywhere as we pass through the Muslim villages on the road to Manado and the pigs and chickens roaming free in Bohowo. She's impressed by the village, the sense of community that still exists there, where front doors are left open and no one goes hungry as someone will always provide a dish of rice, fish and vegetables to those in need. She is amazed at how clean and well turned out the people are, despite having no running water, only a mandy to shower by, which is no more than a bucket of water and a scoop. No washing machines in Bohowo. Everything is done by hand and water from the wells and dried in the sun. She also loves the fact that the village children look so smart in their immaculate school uniforms as they walk to and from the primary school. Red and white uniforms from Monday to Wednesday, brown and mustard on Thursday, batik on Friday and sportswear on Saturday, as is standard throughout Indonesia. None of the children has far to walk on any day, but they often walk barefoot through the village and put their shoes on at the school gates, either to save shoe leather or so as to arrive wearing perfectly clean shoes, I'm not sure which, but it's an endearing habit in any case. I confess I'm relieved at how well Mummy has accepted and even warmed to the idea of my leaving, which was never a given. But she has never once spoken out against our plans. I guess something which helps in this regard is that she is a well-travelled person herself, and especially in recent years since Daddy passed away, but in any case, having maternal support is important to me. If only because, if it all goes horribly wrong, and we're back in six months' time, there will be no I told you so. In the matter of delicate family politics, such things are important. It is morning, you are near me. Standing close, speaking clearly 
Great rushes in the morning light Through blinds in little fragments Then the winter come in swift again Asks nothing, simply wanders in Making small cutting and trim And darkening the dark She's in the morning light It's a habit of mine to take a stroll through the village about once a day and down to the beach, sometimes stopping for coffee at Aris's house on the way, and yesterday morning, as I arrive at his front door, I learn that during the early morning, Melda has given birth to the second child of her and Newman, and the child is a boy, brother to Einstein. Aris and I sit outside and chat in our Inglonesian, and he casually asks me in conversation what I think the child should be called. The first name that comes into my head, and about my favourite boy's name, is Sebastian. So I suggest this, thinking that this would be the end of the conversation. What actually happens is that Aris goes inside and fetches pencil and paper and asks me to write the name, which I do. He then stands up and walks the short distance to Newman's house, returning a few minutes later to his coffee. I ask him what's going on, and he tells me that the name is quite acceptable, and even if it wasn't, the boy will be called Sebastian. Oh, and by the way, Newman has asked if I will be the child's godfather. This all takes me rather by surprise, but... Yes, of course I will be Godfather. The fact that, as everybody by now knows, I don't actually believe in God, apparently having no bearing on the matter. The business is thus settled, and in future, when he can talk, Sebastian will, as a mark of respect, refer to me as Nanny Phil, and Paula will be Nanny Paula, as everyone takes it as given that she will be Godmother. To be asked to name a child is an honour, and I am honoured. And here is something which further cements the ties between Newman and I, and is further testament to how we have been accepted into this small and tight-knit community. I don't see Sebastian on this morning, that is not necessary, and Aris will convey to the parents my willingness to be godfather to their son. So I continue on my way musing to myself that around here you never know what's going to happen on a short walk to the beach. Later I learn that Sebastian's middle name will be Timothy, in honour of Tim, and all in all, it's a happy occasion for all concerned. Bonnie and I have found a way to have a kind of armed truce. We maintain a facade of friendship whilst we're together, and we play some hard games of chess in the evenings. I think that Oni is rather fighting with his conscience. On the one hand, 
we are at one level still friends and even before we have moved over here he and I have been through a lot of shared experiences which have bound us together we are still paying him of course so he's reluctant to obviously make life difficult for me and whatever one may say or think about him he's been the means by which we have built our tropical home and none of this would have been possible without him He's been handling amounts of money which previous to our meeting he could scarce have imagined, and that alone can be enough to turn a person's head. But he still has no real money of his own, whereas we do, and money would talk very loudly over here if it came to confrontation. I don't yet know what his agenda is, and nor perhaps does he. But he does have one advantage over us, which is that he is Indonesian and can more easily cultivate relations with people with whom we would rather he did not cultivate relations. If he does turn bad, and if we do have to fight with him, I have a sense that I'll always be playing with the black pieces, and he will always have the first move. Motherland Find out what further adventures are in store for Phil and Paula as they travel from Colchester to Sulawesi in the next episode of Bill's Big Bag of Onions. Bill's Big Bag of Onions is a guppy production for Cone Radio and is committed to a varied, equitable and truly inclusive output that properly reflects the ethnic diversity of our community audience. (laughs) 